The Paunch Stevenson Show. PaunchStevenson.com. Episode 271. Wednesday, September 30th, 2015. Hi, Real Life Peter Griffin here at RetroCon 2015 with the Paunch Stevenson Show. You guys have a freaking sweet day. This is the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 271. I am Rob, you are Greg. (laughs) Sorry. And we, this is our recap. Very sorry. This is our recap after... Retrocon. Retrocon. 2015. 15. In Oaks, Pennsylvania. At the Greater Philadelphia Convention uh, Center, Expo Center, you, or whatever it was the called. The Philadelphia uh, part of that name is, is, a, is a bit of a, what do they call that? An artistic <laughs> license? Yeah. Well, it was, what, 40 miles outside of I Philadelphia? Know, it just seemed like it went on and on forever. In the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a field. But anyway, 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 so location-wise, all right, kind of in in. Uh, I've know, been there before, so it's not like I'm, I shouldn't be shocked. No, but it was out in the sticks. But convention-wise, what did you think? Well, I had been there um, at the Too Many Games convention uh, a couple of months ago, and the layout was basically the same. It was in the same room, in fact. So it's nice. I mean, you know, they have there was a lot of dealers, and they were selling a lot of uh, the old toys and the uh, video games and comic books and and all that kind of stuff. And it's always nice to walk around that kind of a show. Um, like like when we go to like Chiller, or if I go to Monster Mania, most of the vendors are like selling horror stuff, which I'm not really into. You know, it was cool that this one you could walk around and see like. You know, two of us were like, hey, yeah, remember we had that when we had that toy and you had that toy? Alf doll. Yeah. All you that know, kind of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Transformers, Transformers He-Man. Yeah, a lot of Transformers. Uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. Someone had an Odyssey 2000 uh-huh. game console. Yeah. Etc. Yeah, oh, so someone that, had uh, what they call laser blazers, uh, the the holographic yeah, stickers. Yeah, I used to love those. I saw those. I saw a lot of color forms and oh, that's panini right. sticker books, board games. Yeah, there's a lot of board games. And Cheers board game. Cheers the board game. Well, I don't know what that would be, but uh, I'm I guess sure. you, you roll the dice and you get to be uh, 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 the Ted Danson. <laughs> Woody, I'm sure. I'm sure at some point, uh, James Rolfe, uh, as bored James, will uh, review uh, the uh, Cheers board game. <laughs> I don't know. He can pick it up here. I doubt it. Yeah. He's done some obscure things. So yeah, so RetroCon 2015, Oaks, Pennsylvania. It's in the big room yeah. at the Expo <laughs> Convention Center. So, I mean, our main reason to come was that they had several, uh, about a half dozen uh, classic, like, 1980s voice actors. Yes. Um, from, from cartoons that we were very, you know, that we loved. Um, Such as? Well, they had Larry Kenny, who we That's right. Before. Line home. Yes. And Larry, Larry's one of the nicest guys you can meet, and 
he remembered us. Yeah. From when we interviewed him. Yeah, I remember you guys from last year. Yeah, when we had interviewed him on the Paul Stevenson Show, previous episode, at the New York Comic Book Marketplace convention. Yes. Yes. Uh, Very nice guy. Very nice. And he was very nice again. And so what they did here was, they did an interesting thing where, um, I think it was $18 to get in. And all of those guests who were there, and they had some other guests, like the Nostalgia Critic, who's a video game YouTuber. Um, tomorrow they'll have uh, James Rolfe, the Angry Video Game Nerd. AVGN. Yeah. But all of those guests who were there um, were free to sign for the two items. For two items. Yeah. And most free with a picture. So yeah, it cost $18 to get in. Yeah. The convention. And then you could do whatever you want. Right. You go up to the table, you get a picture, you get an autograph, it's free. Yeah. So, which was great. All right, and you know, here we are going there, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of people there, and then it's free, so that means, you know, these voice actors are going to get bombarded with people. There's going to be these long lines. We'll never be able to interview them. Oh, my God, woe is me. And, of course... I couldn't be more wrong. Oh man! In, in you know, in, in a good a good way yeah. for us. I mean, we always like to talk to these people, like for, obviously for the Paunch Stevenson show, um, because they you know we know. I mean, we don't know them, but one of the great things about them and and other people who who created media, you know, when we were kids, is you know at the time they they were such an important part in our lives growing up. You know, so you always kind of value that more than say, you know, something that I that was on TV ten years ago or even twenty years ago. And the other thing is, a lot of them, especially some of these voice actors, yes, they've done interviews and they, I'm sure they've done the podcasts and and all that kind of stuff. But unless you really, really dig, we probably you probably would never see it, right? So it was really more nice. Obs- they're, they're more obscure yeah. people in, in the grand scheme of pop culture. Right. So it was really nice to be able to to talk to them. So the lineup was Larry Kenny, of course, who was uh, in uh, the Filmation shows. He was Lion-O on the original Thundercats. He well, was no, in, well, that wasn't Filmation. Oh, all right. Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass, yeah, sorry. Um, Silverhawks. Right. He was on that show. He was, of course, Count Chocula. Uh, back to the, and nine million other things and, we've uh, talked about before. It's an Imus. Don Imus. Armish. Armish. Armish in the morning. Charles. So, yeah, he's always nice. And we didn't we didn't bother him again for an interview this time. We you had him sign the couple things. Yeah, 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 We yeah. just said hi. Basically, we just said hi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's nice. And um, yeah, I ordered a tra- a uh, original Thundercats. Like a fan club magazine from the '80s, I saw it on eBay, and I'm like, I'm gonna get him to sign that. And it smelled. Uh, yeah, he smelled it. He opens it up. He's like, he's like, oh, what is this? And he, he opens it up, and I'm like, no, no, don't smell it. The mildew. It smells. Like, oh, what are you giving me here? Eh. No, he was very nice. Very yeah. always, always very nice. So and, and uh, so we, we you know we just met him. And then the other the other part of the lineup was they had John Moshida Jr. That's right, great voice actor and commercials, 
and stuff. He was on, of course, the infamous FedEx commercial because he's he's the fastest talker in the world, you know. And uh, you know, he he was on that. Of course, he was the Micro Machines guy. He was Blur on the uh, Transformers, yeah. uh, many other things. Um, so he was there, and apparently, he really hasn't done many conventions in the past. He only did one. He told me. Where was that? Botcon. Oh, okay. Many years ago. Right. Didn't do any conventions before or since until this year. Yeah. He's doing only a handful. All right. And he's like, I I'm never doing these again. No, no. He said, listen, I know the fans appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it. But I, he's, he's, I, I just can't do this. Uh, it's not my thing. I said, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we caught him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a very funny, nice yeah, guy. Yeah, nice guy. Great personality. So, um, very accommodating. Yeah. As was Larry Kenny. When right. We had and so, one of the things that, and we're not going in chronological order here, but um, they were all sitting you know, in, in tables next to each other. And again, when we got there, there was really no lines. Every couple of minutes, every minute or two, people would walk up to them and and you know and, and talk to them get something signed get a picture or whatever and which is you know really nice i mean the reality is as much as we we hold those guys up at, at such a, a, a positive light um even though the, most of them have continued to work steadily yeah. in cartoons and anime and in voice dubbing on movies looping and and video tons of video game work that they've all done reality is they really haven't done these iconic characters and shows that that people that people like keep with them for all these years and so what you really have is most of these guys the the, the noted work that they did I mean you got to be at least 30 yeah. really to, to 30 years old now to have been yeah to have been exposed to these shows yeah. in either first run or in one of the reruns you know, I'd say yeah, like badges. thirty to forty, so somewhere in in your thirties, right? To and, know who these people are, right? No, and a lot of people that came there, you know, were were of that, but you know, anyone younger, they're just not going to know them. I mean, that's unless they're exposed via right. an older, you know, someone in, in his or her thirties or right. forty, you know, early forty. And so we talked to John, who was fantastic, and. One of the things that was happening was the where they were sitting, which was really unfortunate, was they sat them uh, all the way in the back, in between these guys who had they were selling stuff, but they were really annoying. They had this loud music playing on the one hand for no reason, yeah, really, and then on the other side was this awful karaoke that was going on. <laughs> really? Bad. Oh God, it was bad, and <laughs> I really felt bad for all of them. And it was loud. <laughs> Both sides were very, very loud. And it was really stupid because when I was there for too many games in that same room, the the now there weren't as many dealers and many vendors for too many games, so there was more room, but they in too many games they took the people who were there as like uh, either if they had their own table or whatever, but they were like YouTube people, you know, for games and stuff. Yeah. And they were off to the side. So they weren't, like, right up against, you know, everything that was going on. Plus, at Too Many Games, they had more room. So they had, like, the arcade that was really loud was in another hall. Uh, so it was off, you know, it was not a problem. Right. Unfortunately, this one was, this one was a problem. 
and, and anyway. So uh, what was happening was for everyone that we talked to except for one, because we did it first, and we even though he suggested we go to the front, we're like, oh, did I don't. Did he suggest? He did. Oh, we, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like. I was too concerned of having them like get away from their table for that long, but it didn't matter in the long run. To, to be honest, I think they wanted to. <laughs> I think so because they were all doing it. There were, well, we weren't the only ones. There was there was three or four other people or sets of people who were interviewing either podcasts or whatever, and they were more than happy to go to the front of the building where there was <coughs> where it was quiet. Yeah. Um, and I think that they like that. Now they have they're doing panels, those guys, but I think it was tomorrow. Oh, okay. they're doing those. Yeah, we won't be there. We will not be there tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll be on one day too. only for the Paunch Stevenson show. Yeah, so that was it. Was nice because none of them had anything to do, so they had time to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, and not only were you know it wasn't like well they had nothing else to do, yeah. so we pestered them. In. Like no, they genuinely actually wanted to talk to us, which was nice. So, um, so anyway, yeah, let's go. In, we'll go in chronological So, the first uh, one that we that we talked to. Oh, first of all, first, of course, of course we had friend. to say hello to our our listener and friend and contributor guest, and guest everything. and everything. Casino Games, the pop culture yes. historian. Now a Cassine. trilogy of, of, of books. Casino Games, right? So he has Inside Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Very good book. Of course. A Christmas Story. Yes. Book. The book. What, what was the exact title? I think that is it. A Christmas it Story. A, a Christmas Story book. Very good book. And then now. Yes. Which we talked about in a recent episode. We don't need roads. We don't need roads. The making of the Back to the Future trilogy. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm absolutely dead serious. Yeah. I'm not just saying this because it's Cassine Gaines. He was a guest on the show. I'm telling you, if you, the listener, right now, if you or anyone in your family Just or friends, the one listener. no, well, no, I'm, I'm, spe- I'm not speaking to you, Greg. I'm speaking to you, the listener. If you or anyone you know loves the Back to the Future movies, this book, We Don't Need Roads by Cassini. I'm telling you, it makes a great birthday present, great Christmas present, holiday present. I'm telling you, it, it is a very fascinating, yeah. interesting book. About the whole everything about Back to the Future, everything interviews with everybody, yeah. crazy. I'm telling you, so, an excellent book. Yeah. So Cassini had some cool props. He had the the hoverboard, the from Back to the Future Two, the sneakers. Yeah. The uh, the jacket. On, well, sitting on the tape. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just the to, to lure people right. in and, and converse with them and check out the books and stuff. It was, it was cool. It was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, and he is, he's fantastic. Yeah, so. of course. And so, yeah, Kasim was there, and we talked to him, and he, he was telling, he also told me about, I don't, I don't know what this, what this idiot is doing here, with, with duct tape all Change. over the, the car. Sorry. Um, In front of us. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Kasim was nice. Um, so he told us about the, the trip that he, what? I was going to say. I was going to say, continue. Yeah, and he told us about the trip that he went to the London uh, convention for with the other Back to the Future people. For? For the 30th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it seems like that will be the only major get-together because... For the 30th anniversary. I, don't, I won't get into that. Why? 
we're not allowed. I don't know if he wants. But, uh... Well, let's just put it this way. New York Comic Con had their shot. Let's, let's just put it this and way. didn't, and they failed. As big as the 30th anniversary yes. of the original Back to the Future movie is, and not only the 30th anniversary, also 2015, the year yes. Back to the Future 2 takes place. Right. So very big year for Back to the Future. As big as all of that is, it is getting <laughs> overshadowed by maybe even a little bit bigger movie yeah. that's coming out at the end of the year, if you know what we mean. Star Wars. Star Wars. Well, I would have just said Star Wars. Well, I was saying. I was hinting. All right, fine. So it's being overshadowed by Star Wars. Yeah, well. So anyway, At so, the conventions yes. and everything. So so there's not going to really be anything All for right, Back so, to the always, always nice to see Cassine. Very nice. Very nice. So the next table over to him was, uh, was voice actor Doug Stone. Yes. And, uh, you know, Doug's been on cartoons for decades and he's done a lot of anime Japanese anime uh, voice work uh, he was also telling us about he's done a lot of looping work for foreign actors in, in right. American film having to impersonate actors yeah yeah he was a great story about Joe Pesci for instance you know, you'll a, hear yeah Hopefully, it was a little loud at that point we what the karaoke even though he he actually offered for us to go somewhere else where it was where it was um, quieter I said no because I, I didn't want to like I didn't want to burden them like because they're at their table I didn't want them to be away from their table for a long time but again they probably would have liked it because then I saw him at the front too but anyway um, and of course he was uh, uh, Matt Tracker in uh, uh, Mask the uh, cartoon back in the 80s and he's also the Psychomantis character in Metal Gear Solid in, in right. the many inter iterations of that. Uh, supposedly the final iteration has just been released. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, Sans uh, Kojima? No, he's part of it. I thought, no, Konami got rid of him. They did? I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on that. Don't quote I, me. I might be wrong. Anyway. No, I mean, no, I'm definitely right that Konami and Kojima are... Split, they split ways. Um, I don't know if he was involved in this in this uh, most was. recent Metal Gear game, but anyway, anyway. it doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So we did take. Uh, we talked to Doug, who was at first. You know, we're like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking, like, what do we ask him about? And he just voices. Yeah, and just you know, asking. And he's great. And just went from one story to the next to the next. And he, there was so much like industry kind of quirky information that he gave and I was like wow you know I never I never realized that yeah, didn't yeah, know they did very, that very fascinating well just yeah. like the back to the future book it's all that yeah. behind the scenes insider stuff right very fascinating now let me tell you something so so like with Esteban from please save me robots friend friend of the Paul Stevenson show he always gets nervous. So, well, I mean, he doesn't do the podcast anymore, but very, very excellent podcast. He always got nervous because he's like, I don't know, I'm just a little podcaster. Yeah. I walk up to these these big, huge celebrities and I and I want to interview. And I'm like, first of all, it's just a conversation. They're not these big, huge celebrities. And second of all, right, 
there, it's just a conversation, and they want to talk. Yeah. It's not like you're going to a convention with 50 million people, and you're trying to interview William Shatner for a half an hour. Like, no, these are people, these are more obscure people, very talented people, but more obscure people, and they want to talk. They love it. They want to talk. They want to share the information, which makes it really easy. Right. And I, again, you know, they're, they're sitting there for six, seven hours. It's boring. Yeah. I want to be able to expound on it. So, so, Doug, so Doug Stone. Doug Stone was awesome, and hopefully it gets, it's... It's legible because it was so loud in there. I think it will be. You'll probably be able to hear him more than you will us. Because we were standing on the other side of the table. We almost said hardly anything. He just just went and ran with it. Um, So how's the convention for you? So I just started, but... Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, This is actually my first full-on convention. I have uh, sort of hesitated to, to do conventions. I wasn't really... Sure, uh, but when I was invited to this one, particularly because it was based on RetroCon, on older shows like Mask, I thought, oh, let me give this a try. And then, unfortunately, buddies of mine like like McConaughey are here, so I got to fly out with friends. So that's been nice. So it's been great. Yeah, the fans have been wonderful. I wasn't sure what to expect, but everybody's been very respectful and very polite, and very sincere. So it's been very nice. Very nice. I mean, we, we, we go to a lot of conventions ourselves all over the place, and, and they're predominantly like live action actors, but because yeah. we, we came from about, a, about two hours away. The voice actors from the 80s, that's like our one of our number one things, because we never see you guys. You're in yeah. California or whatever, and... Hey, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody invited me to Philly yet. Uh, I don't, as I said, this is the first convention. I have resisted going to conventions because I felt awkward about it. Uh, I felt awkward about uh, asking for money to sign things. And what I liked about this convention is they just said, we'll pay you an appearance fee, and then you don't have to ask people for money. You just sign things. It just feels awkward to me. Uh, I know people do it, and they've traveled. I I understand why the actors do it. They're traveling from their home. You know, leaving their city, getting on a plane, going somewhere, they need to be paid for their time. But I just feel awkward about asking fans for, for just You're money. a nice guy. <laughs> I don't know. But it just, it just kind of bothered me. But when they said an appearance fee, I thought, great. But pay me something for my trouble, for, for spending the weekend away from home. But I don't have to say to the fans, dig in your wallet or dig in your purse, which makes me feel strange. <laughs> so. Uh, one of the things, obviously, you're, you're, you did the mask show in the 80s, but just to skip forward real fast, Metal Gear Solid, you're Psycho Mantis. When you're doing video game voiceover, is it, it kind of weird because you're not really, it's not like the cartoon where it's a flowing narrative. It's very broken up, especially the older games where the characters only talk maybe once every 15 minutes. Right. It isn't that strange in that I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of anime shows. And when you're doing anime, uh, you're going in alone, not in a group, and you are just dealing with your lines, completely out of context. Sometimes the director might, I've directed anime and and games as well, and original animation. Sometimes the director doesn't even have time to tell you the context. And and he can only barely tell you the scene. Look, Doug, I I don't have time to give you the whole storyline, but in this scene, you've just stolen the golden uh, orb, and da 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 and they're chasing you, so your lines are delivered uh, with a certain expediency of that you've got to get out of the room. Okay, so I'm not just saying, let's go, Bob, let's go, Bob! I've got to get that in the voice. Uh, so. How come, so how come they do it, like you're in a room 
by yourself? Why yes. are you doing that? Uh, save money. Uh, it's, what, was it different when you were doing mass? When you're doing original animation, your contract states they have you for four hours. And they'll put the whole group in, and it usually takes two and a half to three hours to record an original animation, half for hour, episode. for one episode. Usually takes that long, with retakes and, uh, and all the peripheral things that go on. It usually takes two and a half, three hours. You'll rehearse the whole show first, take a break, they'll give you notes on the rehearsal, take a break, come back, and then do the show. Sometimes the rehearsal will take longer than the actual recording of the show, because you're getting all your notations uh, on the script at that point from the booth as to what changes they want or something that wasn't written in the script that you need to know about the action of the scene or whatever. Uh, when you're doing anime, uh, they're bringing you in as a single actor, one at a time, and uh, paying you a two-hour minimum. It's a different kind of contract. Everything in animation, as in all contracts on camera, they all vary. The contracts are very different. So depending on the type of contract, might influence the way the structure is of the recording process itself. So the only time you do group in anime would be uh, in Walla scenes. When we used to direct it back in the old days, when Michael McConaughey and I, uh, back in the old days, we'd bring in seven or eight people uh, on an animation show, an uh, anime show rather, and they'd do all the group and, and tiny characters, after, one after another, so they might stay five or six hours. So they'd pay those actors on their hourly basis to be all the peripheral characters. But the, the main roles they just bring in for a two hour minimum. And you could usually get that done. Except the to kind of like, for, for lack of a better word, crank it out. Crank it out. It's bad. To direct an anime, because you're doing lip sync, I could direct an original animation half hour and it would take me uh, three hours, three and a half. If I'm doing an anime show, it will take me 18 to 24 hours because of the lip sync aspect, because you got to hit the lip sync. So you can't have all the actors in, in a group and say, I'm going to have you 15 people in for six hours today, six hours tomorrow, six, it would cost a fortune. So you bring everybody in individual primarily. Well, last question. Did you have a, a, a voice actor that you look, looked up to, or, or you just kind of got into voice acting? And I, I did get into it because I uh, because of that, but I Mel Blanc was, was God, was of course. Mel Blanc was God. Uh, so as a little kid, uh, when I got old enough to realize these aren't really talking, you know, these are actors, and reading the credits, and I go, Mel Blanc was everybody? <laughs> he was everybody in that show? But I heard 15 different people. Men, wow. women, young, old. Everything. everything. Creatures, everything. Uh, which, uh, nowadays we have Frank Welker who can, yes, who can do yes. that. Uh, but I, I, I got into it originally, uh, my family, my father was a radio announcer. Uh, and I actually got into voiceover as a supplement to my stage and on-camera income. Uh, being born in Canada, when I was in Toronto, there wasn't much animation there at all. In, in the 70s, 80s, didn't really exist. So uh, voiceover work was the occasional commercial. And because I could do, I just taught myself accents, and I like to play with voices, uh, I would generally do the commercials where they say, we need somebody to be Dracula, we need somebody to be Santa Claus, we need somebody to be a Scottish dog, we need somebody to be an East Indian. Oh, we'll bring in Doug. He does all that stuff. Uh, so when I got a chance to do Mask and come to LA, all of that served me well, fortunately. Uh, when I went out for other auditions, they said, oh, you can do this, this, and this. Do you have a favorite character, voice, or impersonation, or something that you do? Well, impersonation, I do, yeah. Uh, voices, uh, uh, it, it, all, it usually is whoever I did last, or whatever project I really liked that I did in the last year, that'll stick with me. 
Uh, so nowadays it's something from something called uh, two different titles goes by Thunder in the House of Magic or just House of Magic, which is available on Netflix. Uh, was a film I did where I, I was a, uh, a New England, uh, an old magician from New England who had a magical house. It's for children, this film. And he adopts a little cat who saves the day. So I loved him as a character. But um, I don't think we can swear in your podcast, can we? The guy I like to do a lot is Joe Pesci. Oh, nice. And you can't do Joe Pesci if you don't friggin' swear, okay? Now, that's so amazing. him I like to do. It's amazing you say that. We're from the same hometown as Joe Pesci. Oh, are you? I, I've actually done him in a film. Joe Pesci hates going in to do his own voice. When, when they do films, usually there'll be a, a helicopter might go over. There's going to be noises. The actors come in and do ADR. Uh, automated dialogue replacement like you do for lip sync that we do for anime they come in and revoice themselves sometimes in looping exactly and I've done about a th I've looped about a thousand different films and shows uh, Hercules and Xena were my two shows that my loop group did and I've done you know I used to work in Chicago Hope and uh, ER and doing voices for these shows and I've gotten the opportunity once and I don't remember the name of the film my friend always reminds me and I forget it but I've done Joe once because he doesn't like to come in. He'd so rather play golf. So hold on. So they'll film shows or movies or whatever, and the actors don't want to do it, and they'll bring you in. There's two reasons it will loop. One is that none of the extras speak. They don't actually, they're only making a, a few dollars a day. So we're everybody. When I did ER, I'm a surgeon. I'm the, I'm the radio that you heard when you walked by. I'm the guy walking down the hall. I'm the doctor. There's a, an extra going with an x-ray. Because I've done a lot of lip sync, I'll look at his mouth and go, okay, that was a frigative, that was a plosive. So he could have been saying, um, I'm detecting a, a broken bone, but I think with, uh, as opposed to surgery, we can cure that with, uh, you know, da, da, da. and I'll find something that'll fit in the mouth. So the actors will also come in and revoice themselves sometimes because of the technical errors. Or also, if their film is going to TV and they want to get rid of some of the swear words, they'll invite the actors back in to redo their lines and they'll try to find, and some of them don't want to do it. Or some of them are off somewhere uh, in Europe doing a film. So they've got to find someone, like, someone who sounds like Sean Connery, who isn't Sean, who still can be similar, who might be able to replace her voice here or there. So actors will come in and will voice replace them as well sometimes. I've had instances where I've replaced entire performances, very sadly. Uh, there was a film one time, a Michael Caine film, 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea or whatever it was called. There was a Japanese actor in it whose accent I didn't feel was strong. It's a slight Japanese accent. I thought you were going to say Michael Caine. No, Mike, not Michael himself. Michael did himself. I can't do Michael Caine, but he does do strange pauses in his voice. I, I don't think he pauses for acting, I think he pauses for breath. <laughs> I'm not sure. But they had this actor in it and they said we want to voice replace him because we feel Americans won't get his accent even though I felt it was like. So you'll go in and replace his entire performance. And you're not, not necessarily credited. There's a lot of voice work that, that you don't get credited for that people don't know about. Uh, that's sort of invisible work. Like looping work, which tends to be invisible. Well, we, we, we really appreciate it. So sure. Really good stuff I didn't even realize. Before. Yeah, there's, it's, there's a, a lot of worlds of in worlds there. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. So this is actually uh, his first convention ever. And, and again, he was somebody who's like, well, I've... 
nobody ever asked me. I didn't know. I don't know anything about these. And <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, people actually want to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just a silly cartoon from the eighties. Yeah. I didn't know people actually care. Yeah. Like no, he wasn't saying it in a jerky way. He was saying uh-huh. it in a in a in an amazed way. Right, like a I, nice I mean, way. I don't think it was him, but one of the other one of the other guys said how Doug Stone was talking about that he didn't really realize that people like saw the mask show, for instance, the cartoon years and you know thirty years ago, and that it still sticks with them to this day. Right, and that you don't forget. I guess he just didn't realize it, which uh, which is cool. So he was great. And then the next guy over, next table over, was, uh, again, a name that, who has worked, you know, for many, many years. and Decades. Uh, and both Doug and, and this fellow, Michael... Michael um, McConaughey. Yes, yes. Not to be confused with Matthew McConaughey. Right. All right, all right. All right. So, uh, he, was, he was there, and, you know, again, he's... He was on, you know, the thing that we knew him, let's say, most for, was he played uh, Trax, who was the blue Corvette in season two of the Transformers. The old, the original Transformers. And also Cosmos, who was in a couple of the different seasons. And he also played uh, Cross Country on the G.I. Joe. The ori- a real American yes. the original Again, the original Sunbow yeah. 1980s series. So I knew him from that, and um, like Doug Stone, he's also done a lot of voice directing over the years on cartoons, anime, and video games. And so, you know, I was just searching for things like, oh, what can I bring to have him sign? And then I realized, looked this up, and I was like, wow, he was brought in as the voice director on uh, on a PC game, the Star Trek Judgment Rights, which was a sequel to Star Trek... 25th anniversary, which were both kind of point-and-click kind of graphical adventures where you have to like choose soft puzzles and stuff to move on. on and the computer, the, yeah. the video game. Yeah, 25th anniversary was released on the NES also, but well, um, <laughs> to mixed reviews. But that those were really good games, and they also had CD versions where they recorded the uh, voices of the original series, the entire you know cast. And even the guest stars that they got for that, and um, those were those were great. And so I was like, "Wow, oh, you know, I can't believe that." And so I went on eBay and I found somebody who was selling the. Uh, I have like a basic version, this really nice box set of the uh, the collector's edition from you know, over 20 years ago, that had the main game disc, had another disc which probably very low quality at this point, but it had videos on it. What are you doing? And video on it of the behind the scenes. Oh. I, he may even be on it. I'm not even sure. I know like Nimoy and Roddenberry were on it. Um, Have you opened it yet or watched it? Or I haven't anything? watched it. I think I saw them many, many years ago on some website. And uh, so that was it. There was like a pin and a book and, and also a sealed VHS copy of City on the Edge of Forever. Obviously, I'm not going to watch the VHS, but I don't know what that is. It's one of the most famous uh, episodes in the history of the original Star Trek. So, you know, so he's done a lot of, obviously, voiceover work. And he was, so we saw him next, and we're like, can we, you know, can we we talk to you? This is after, you know, he he had signed for our friend Jeremiah. He's like, yeah, no problem, but, you know, let's go somewhere where it's quiet. So we walked all the way to the front entrance, 
and went to the side and, and we talked to him and it was really cool. And it was kind of a first for us, but. Hi, so we're here with uh, Michael McConaughey or is it McConaughey? McConaughey is that guy, Matthew, oh, yeah. who, is who that looks guy? better with his shirt off and his paychecks were a lot bigger than mine. Okay. <laughs> of course he is a hick, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you're a uh, voice actor for many years. We know mm -hmm. you from uh, the Transformers, the original series. Mm -hmm. uh, played a few characters there. Um, I actually, even though I don't, you did voices. I did bring you with me, but you were the, the first thing I'm going to ask you, because it's on the top of my mind. You were the voice director for the Star Trek Judgment Rights yeah. PC game. Yes. I got to ask, like, so you worked with all the original cast. That was probably yep. the last thing that... I know, like D. Kelly, that was probably the last thing he did. Uh, very close. And uh, when uh, I did that, uh, my lady and I were, were co-directing on that, that and uh, the, the Star Trek 25th anniversary yeah, game. So, yeah. uh, Judgment Rights was one of the most incredibly complex games ever. Uh, that company's no longer in business because they weren't as organized as they could have been. But we had 18,000 lines in that game. <laughs> And uh, poor D. Kelly, they, uh, for Dr. McCoy, I mean, it, everyone is a fan. Yeah. So the script was written by fans, and they gave him the most jaw-breaking, tongue-twisting, <laughs> chemical names to say. And that poor sweet man tried his best to get uh, around him, because uh, he was a perfectionist. But yeah. he was an absolute old-school Southern gentleman. I just loved him. One of the one of my prized possessions is a picture of, of him between me and my lady and his arm around our shoulders. Because uh, I'm a fan too. Yeah, I'm a fan. I never beautiful. got to meet him. That's a great regret. Yeah. But um, now, what about some of the like Nimoy and Shatner? Were they uh, they okay or? Shatner was Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he came in, did his job. So th uh, there there were no there were no uh, like bloopers where. Sabotage. Sabotage. No, no, no. Actually, uh, I came in to direct because that was following the infamous Don't Tell Me How to Do It, It Sickens Me. Nice. That was the sabotage? No, no, was that was a different a separate one. Oh, it was a separate one. <laughs> that was another one. Uh, and uh, so they brought me in to direct after that little uh, gaffe. Okay. And uh, we got on well. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, it helps. Because I had an acting and industry background, there was a little more respect. Uh, but he came in, did his job, and, mm. and that was fine. And Nimoy was, uh, he was in a very contemplative place. That was just when he, he had just published his book, I Am Yeah, Spock. no, he was Spock again. And uh, he'd come to grips with that, and he was just, uh, he was in a mellow place and trying to talk willing to talk about how he had come to acceptance mm. and it was it was it was just beautiful and everyone else I mean it may have been the last time one of the last times the entire cast was all together uh, now there may have been one or two films after that but we lost no, we, not together no no we, we lost and, we, and then shortly, Doohan. Of course, he had had to have a kid first. James Doohan. Oh, Chris, yeah. Chris Doohan? No. Oh, no. another kid. Yes. Oh, okay. he, he married a, a, a fine, strapping young lady. And 
had some offspring. Good okay. for him. Um, yeah, I think they did one, like D. Kelly, supposedly. There was a canceled game that they did after that, a Star Trek game, that he may have done some voice for. But I think I think at that point he was he was so ill that yeah. they had to... They didn't they canceled the game anyway because the company was... Yeah. <laughs> was in was doing what some companies yeah. do. Was it, was it Interplay? Yeah, it was. Yes, yeah, that explains a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, there it is. They had the license. Yeah. And uh, Nichelle Nichols, who I just saw last week at Dragon Con in okay. Atlanta, just a sweet, sweet yes. lady. Just I met her. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, uh, you want to go? So, so okay. So Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up with that. I mean, we grew up with Star Trek, all that stuff. But Transformers. Uh, what was your experience like, or any any standout memory from working on that oh, show? Geez, it was. Like I said, I'm a fan as well. And this was my chance to stand among the gods I grew okay. up with. And as it was, I mean, I watched all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons with, with Welker and Cullen and, and John Stevenson and everyone else. And I got to come in as an equal, and it was indescribably fulfilling. Is, is that intimidating? Or, oh, or God, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, really, these, these were people that I never thought, well, first of all, when I was a kid watching cartoons, who thinks about the actors? Back then, no one ever did. And when I would see a human being with that voice coming out of it, it was like, it, goosebumps, ooh, wow, yeah, nice. Cool, right? And at that point, I was old enough to really know that there are people behind the voices. And it was uh, just an Incredible experience for me. Very grateful. Let me ask you. So it's it's probably a silly question, mm-hmm. but as a voice actor, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a voice actor. So as a voice actor, you go into an audition or a production, and, and you know, you're, there's all these different characters, and you're. Do you ever feel silly? Like, what am I? Like, I'm, I'm voicing a robot. What am I doing here? This oh is, no. Or, or is it you, oh, no. you totally biased Let's understand. to it? I, you, hey, pal, I'm a serious dramatic actor. Nah. <laughs> uh, no. You know what I'm saying. Is it, it like, I'm sure you, you voice, again, I, it's, what, 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 I'm, what I'm asking sounds silly, but, you know, oh, I was in a feature film, now, now I'm voicing a, a toy or something. Like, is there ever that moment in a voice actor's career, or is it every, every role is... You're, you're committed, and this is this is a well. I think if, if you're going to do it right, I think it should be that way. You should be committed. Every, everything is important. Everything is everything should be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are because you know so, some of the lines. As, as look, we yeah. love Transformers. We mm-hmm. grew up with the show, but some of the lines, like oh, do I really, I'm going to say this line, or no, or, no, or, if, or you're you're committed no, to that character. I'm not saying it. The character is saying it. Mm-hmm. And if <laughs> that's uh, why I'm not a voice actor. No, it's, uh, you know, I don't do voices. I play characters, and the characters have voices. Major distinction. The, um, that's why I've never really had a problem. Well, I'm sorry, there are some films I've worked on that I'm not going to talk about. <clears throat> but we won't. We'll just cut that out later, right? Okay, good. Sure. Um, but I'm serious about being... Uh, it's a, a dramatic necessity to come to grips with the character because each character has its own voice. They will tell you what they are. They will tell you who they are. 
and everything they say has got to be true because it's the truth of the character and that's something uh, about Transformers especially that meant so much to me is that I, I've said this at uh, other cons uh, we're having discussions but to me with the Transformers and uh, to a different extent with G.I. Joe but there was a spiritual core to Transformers of valuing human life of feeling what justice really is and working to make justice happen that you just don't see in cartoons today no. It's a lot of screaming very and yelling. Yeah, very it's just a lot of shouting. And uh, fart jokes. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're not funny. Yeah. Well, family guy. Yeah, yeah but it's... Um, well, that's hardly even a... I wouldn't even consider that a cartoon. It's <laughs> also it's an animated just a show. Yeah. yeah. But the... Uh, the well, now everything is CGI. It's not really cartoons. Yeah. But uh, the, the core of the, uh, the things we were doing was from a very human standpoint, out of these robots. And that is why the franchise is still alive today. Mm. Have you seen the Michael Bay movies? I will not. Good. <laughs> we have you seen it, that. only to lampoon it. So the only reason we've seen well, well, Okay, but you know what it is? We, right, we saw the Michael Bay He's movies a fan. just out of nostalgia and just to see how, mm -hmm. how bad they're gonna be. But, exactly what you just said the old cartoon as as maybe hokey or silly as it could be sometimes it had that core it's, it had that 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 human touch to it and, and the movies did well since i will never work in the transformer films i know this for a fact i mean you if they ask me you if they ask me to i would but they won't <laughs> they so won't. i won't um in the first one when bumblebee one of the sweetest characters in the whole series, a little Volkswagen, becomes a freaking muscle car. This tells me someone doesn't have a firm grip on the concept. Well, not only a muscle car, a muscle car with no voice. They can talk. What the F? And uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and then... Well, of course, there was, a, just to continue my rant. Rant, yes, please, rant. The, uh, there was Mr. Bay's injunction. No, no, I don't want cartoon guys in my movie. Right. I want real actors. Actors. Acting. But they never spoke. That was what the joke was. The, 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 the Transformers hardly ever spoke. In the movies. Yeah, and the other thing that really soured me was by, I think, the third one, they had turned the Optimus Prime character... In basically into like a mass murderer. I mean, oh. he just killed everybody. Oh, you mean Murder Prime? Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> the, the, the prime suspect, yes. Peter A. Peter Cohen. There you go. That, that's a firm grip on the character. Yeah. Poor Peter. Uh, well, but Peter's, Pete, Peter's a stone pro. He did it. Yeah. He did it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, about a month and a half ago, I was at uh, Transformers Con, TF Con in uh, Toronto, and Peter was there. I didn't even get a chance to see him. Uh. There, there was a phalanx of security people taking him here, taking wow. him there. Well, so he's the big, there, there he's are, the big star. There are movies yet to happen. And if anything were to occur to Optimus Prime, oh. this would impact the box office. 
Yeah, but wait, I'm hearing you're speaking. They've got other people. Yeah, they've got other people. No, no, no. No? No, it's not the voice. It's the character. But, uh, uh, that's true. All right, you're right. But I, right. But here we are arguing and, yeah. and agreeing that <laughs> the new, this new Optimus Prime is not really the Optimus Prime character. It's some but, other character that none of us like. Well, uh, it's it's, it's Optimus Prime from Bizarro World. Okay? <laughs> True. Uh, it's a, right. It is a shame. What are you going to do? Do you have any other? No. Okay, no, last no, no, question. No. Okay. So do you have a particular uh, role that, that stands out in your memory or favorite role that, that you've done? Okay, no. Or they're all your favorite? No, they're all, it's... It's the old standard thing, you know, how do you choose between your children? I mean, it's, I know it's a standard quote, but it's a fact. Each, they're all different. There's none that, there are some I would like to go back and redo because we don't always get to control what is done with our performances or what takes they are going to use. And sometimes seeing what hits the air afterward is like, oh God, guys, really? I know I did better than that. I guess you just have to let it go and yeah. be zen about it. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. Because I will tell you, and I will tell you this to the entire world, when I get something right, and I know it's right, my nipples clench. Nice. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Was that too much information? <laughs> All right. Thank you. You bet. Thank you very much. We're very appreciative. This was fantastic. My great pleasure. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks. We figured, hey, why not? Uh, we got some video of the interviews. Uh, thanks to Jeremiah for doing well, the, the camera work. We'll see. What? We'll see how it came out. It didn't come out? No, I don't know. I'm just, we haven't seen it. I think it's fine. We have not seen it, so I don't know. No, we're, we're actually driving home from it. I hope it came out. Um, but yes, thank you to Jeremiah. Yeah, so. Uh, Michael was he was outstanding. Another awesome, awesome interview, and it was like, again, you go from one subject to the next, and you're just amazed by the the stories that he has and the vehemence that he shared with us over Michael Bay he was also funny. Oh, and, that was that was <laughs> priceless. That was perfect. Uh, perfect. Yeah. A, a, a natural on the Paunch Stevenson show. <laughs> Anti Michael Bay. That um, was oh man, unprompted and everything. That was that was I amazing. Had, yeah, and he had some really cool stuff to say about the Star Trek cast that he worked with, and that was a really good interview. Yeah, yeah, really good. So then the next table over <laughs> was my main get for, for not that these other guys were any less any less, right. but my gosh, I mean for years I've been trying to meet the great Michael Bell, but now yes. Michael Bell, Michael Bell. Again, decades upon, de you know, just... One of the most famous. I mean, you know, Duke on G.I. Joe, uh, Lance on Voltron. He was Prowl and Swoop and probably a few others on Transformers. He's been on the Smurfs. He's on the Smurfs. Everything. It was Major Blood also on G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> just just tons and tons. And, you know, again, here's somebody, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't have a lot of conventions. The sum. Um, and again, it's weird that nobody invites these people. It's, it's so stupid. Just I don't want to see them. But I'm, I'm again, he was the one I was most concerned. I'm like, well, I don't know if he's going to come and just talk with us for, for 10 minutes. It's probably going to be a long line. But he was, I know, it's Michael Bell. I know, but man, he was so uh, appreciative and accommodating and funny and 
very soft spoken. Yeah, yeah. But, just, but very knowledgeable yeah. and, and insightful and nice and everything. Interesting. Right. And so that was. I mean, I know we've been doing this show for 10 years. 10 years? But, you know, God, to be able to interview and meet Larry Kenny and Michael Bell is. Is unbelievable. Yeah. I just it's something. Forget about even doing the show, but as a kid, I know never would even think oh, I'm gonna meet Duke someday. Perfect. Nah, I'll never do. Perfect. Come on, never gonna Perfect. happen. So that was fantastic. He was fantastic. He was, yeah, yeah. very funny, very, yes. very you know, yes. clever, quick-witted. Right. All of them, all those guys, they're they're they're, they're characters. Right. They're real life characters. Well, they kept correcting you, where you kept asking. Your question was, oh. Duh. Did you really think like, oh my God, I have to do a, do a I'm pretending a to be a robot. <laughs> and then they would correct you and say, no, it's a character. Right. It's we're not, not voice. doing voices. It's characters. We're acting, we're acting as characters. Right. And that's like, we joke about like, oh, well, let's be voice actors. I think at the end of the day, I would have trouble doing it because I don't think I could act. <laughs> it's no, a problem. We, we I'm could. I'm a good actor. I, I can do voice, but not so much act. Come on, if you say, all right, do Stan Lee, but Stan Lee is sad, you can do a story. Yeah, but it might be so over the top. I, well, that's what I mean. Of course it'll be over the top. Eh. But not the way these guys do it. What these guys do is something, what they did and do, totally different. No, I know, I know. They invent. They invent characters. Of course. They invent voices for the characters. That's why they're legendary. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so I am Rob. <laughs> Greg, and we are here with Mr. Michael Bell. Yes. Legendary voice actor. I'm the cream filling between the, the Oreo <laughs> cookies here. Exactly. No, so we, we really this is my first three-way here in Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> or Philly. That's what it is, Philly. Okay. Well, this is sort of Philly. <laughs> sort of Philly. Sort of. enough cows on the way It's out like Philly. <laughs> so, Mr. Bell, uh, yeah. we appreciate this very much. We grew up uh, with your your work, um, especially Transformers, GI Joe, all, all that stuff, the 1980s. Could you share your experience working on Transformers, or, or do you have any standout memory of working on that show? I just remember when we got the scripts, and there were so many of them, and we, unlike today, they would just hand you the script and say, "This is the character you're playing." This. And you would look at it and you go, okay, and you come up with a voice. And then uh, Wally would say, okay, um, later on in the script, he'd go, um, uh, Mike, okay, uh, you're going to play this character. I'd go, okay, now how am I going to play that different than that character? I'll give him a dialect, I'll back the voice, you know, go back here somewhere, or maybe, you know, deeper, whatever. And that's what we all did. Mm. And it was totally different than anything today. Today you've got to read for one line. Then they just gave it to you, trusted the fact that you could do it, right. sure. which was really, uh, really lovely to work that way. Did did they have? Um, we've had somebody else we we've interviewed before is um, Bob, uh, Bob Bob Bodiansky uh, from Marvel Comics, and he was actually the one who wrote most of the uh, like the little title cards for each character, the description yeah. on the toys yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So did they give you those and you kind of had to use those, or you just saw like a picture of that? That Sometimes you see a prototype, but it doesn't make any difference. You see, if you see a character, his outfit, 
his hair, maybe he's tall and skinny, maybe he's very muscular, most of them were very muscular, whatever it was. You still have to find something. Mm. You know, you have, to, you have to look for something that's a little bit different vocally because you have to, an actor that does voiceover has to paint the picture. And since we're not movie stars, people don't expect us to sound a particular way, so mm. we had to, we were literally voice chameleons, as it were. And that's what you had to do. Even if you got a prototype, unless the prototype was a character with an underslung jaw, so then you realize you have to speak like this because you have to express the fact that the character has an underslung jaw, so it has to sound like this. But other than that, everybody, you know, if he was fat, really, really fat, you know, maybe he had a sound somewhere over here because heavy people have difficulty catching their breath because they've just eaten a huge steak and so they've just eaten it Bob Evans and, and you know, <laughs> And that's just breakfast. So those are the things that you have to work on. But other than that, we're all young heroes, so we've got to come up with something different. Since, like, particularly the the Sunbow series, G.I. Joe and Transformers that you did, and even Voltron was a smaller cast, but on those series where there were so many characters, was there, like like, a... a competition in a sense where... I know you all didn't sound exactly the same, but... Do you feel like, you know, maybe one of the other actors came up with a, a, a certain voice for a character and you said, oh, man, I was going to do that. That's happened. I don't Had know to differentiate that, a little. I'm not sure they came up in Transformers. That, that comes up usually in a, in a read, in a table read. Okay. If you're playing two beggars, and there's, there's two beggars in it, so then you go, okay, I got my beggar. When he gets to me, because it says, Michael, you're the beggar, along with these other yeah. two managed characters. And the other actor, who also has a beggar, comes up with a beggar and goes, you just stole my beggar. <laughs> <laughs> you just took my farmer. Right. My farmer was over here, and i got to find another freaking farmer. Then. All but right. as far as our own voices were concerned, we had what we did. And yeah. you, and, but if somebody was a southerner, they go, damn, I was going to make him southerner. <laughs> so it's sort okay. of like the, the acting like, yeah. joke where it's like, well... What are you doing in this this scene? And the one actor says, "I'm playing nothing." Oh, I'm playing nothing. You I'm can't play nothing. nothing. You can't play nothing. I'm playing nothing. Exactly. No, it is. It's great fun. It's it's it was, and you know there was, in VO because I've done a lot of on camera in my life as well, but in VO there just didn't seem to be. You didn't see any evidence of competition. If there was, it was subliminal, or it was internal. Nobody really noticed it. We mm. never thought we were going to, you know, vocally fight. Mr. Bell, so what I'm asking uh, all the different voice actors is obviously you are professional, legendary, you know, have all this experience, but it, it, what, are there ever moments where you walk in and you're, you're, you're looking at the script or the toy or whatever and you're just like, I'm voicing a toy, what am I doing here? Or, or, or is it always like, a, like you're so committed and... Always, always committed. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody says, here, you're a piece of toast, you've got to be the voice of toast, <laughs> you're a turtle, I go, okay, physically, what does a turtle look like and how will that manifest itself vocally? I, I, te- I have um, anybody's interested that wants to do vocal work, uh, learn how to create a character, uh, go to michaelbellvoices.com and you can click on, uh, this is shameless, shameless advertising, I teach um, a master class right. on digital on how to create characters from an acting standpoint. And then I have a class that I teach, so you learn from the class that I'm teaching. When they screw up, you go, oh, okay, now I'm not going to do that. 
And thankfully, I have a partner who also teaches the commercial aspect in terms of commercial voiceovers. She's brilliant. So it's a big, you know, it's a big uh, three hours for. It's really a couple of bucks. It's not a lot of money, considering I charge a lot of money and she charges a lot of money for one to ones. Mm -hmm. That's you know. Other than that, you know, that's all I can tell people. It's just something you should have some acting background. It's not just a voice. You know, there are great mimics out there that could never act. And they would hire them. And you know, okay, yeah, Richard, I think, Richard, yeah. yeah. And yet you had, what's his name, who did the Riddler? And, um, Gorshin? Gorshin was brilliant. Yeah. And he could do that. Uh, Robin Williams can do that. Uh, but there are very few people that that can create that character and a different voice. Uh, can I say, since you 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 know you're you go back to really the beginning of the cartoon era where it was product sort of intertwined and, yes. and all that. Um, we asked Larry Kenny this at one time about that because there's there was a lot of I mean we were too young to realize that but there was a lot of backlash on that where people were saying. You know, GI Joe. You know, they can't do that. It's you know, it's 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 like war profiteering. You can't sell toys on a cartoon, and because it was against the law at one point. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Certainly, that's changed radically. <laughs> well, I mean, they, you know, sometimes they start with the product first, right? And they say, let's build, let's build this animated series around it. They do, yeah. Now, of course, uh, you know, if if somebody discovered a market for naval foof they would do a naval foof series <laughs> you know it's just the the bottom line is that it's the has become the, the product first and they'll throw everything against the wall just to see what sticks you know, now, it makes no sense the other thing is um and you know we we hate that this happens but it's like nowadays the only way that they will make a feature film an animated or cgi feature film and all of the main characters are noted actors on screen yeah. and it's none of like the way that you guys were, where you guys could go in and do an animated film, and it would be nobody that you would ever know from live action, and it was fantastic. And now it's like, it's like, man, we'll just get Mike Myers and and. and well, let's go back to the days when Disney did Pinocchio and Snow White and Song of the South. They were not names. It was wonderful. Right. As a kid, I, it never occurred to me to say, "Oh, that's Lana Turner." You know, who cared? You know, right. it was John Wayne. No, they they wouldn't even think of doing that. Now, of course, it's become a huge market, and uh, bottom line is they'll get a big star. I've done, uh, <clears throat> you know, I did Rugrats, and when they did the movie, I said, good, they don't need stars for this, and you know, so they started getting little spots for no. celebrities, and, and they take up your time, sorry no. celebs, take up the time, they really don't know the medium, uh, and it, it becomes much more tedious for them and for the producer because they have to have them do it over and over. We go in, we do the job, we get it out. What bothers me is that when they did the first um, G.I. Joe, uh, the on-camera G.I. Joe, the live-action G.I. Joe, Mike Bay said, uh, uh, I'm going to get actors, I don't want voice people. Not well, the Transformers. what the yeah. hell did he think we were? I'm sorry, for Transformers. What the hell did he think we were? <laughs> what, what, what was that? Was that a butcher? Was it a part-time baker? He's we an can't, idiot. We can't defend <laughs> Don't worry about it. But even like in the G.I. Joe, uh, the, the animated movie, which I don't think that didn't, even made, didn't even make the, the theaters. <laughs> but no. they had Don Johnson in that character, which, and the worst part about it was, it was almost like they had to, to spend all this time in the film 
just throwing Don Johnson's character in there that nobody wanted to see. Shoehorned him in there. See him. Even if, see the thing about Don Johnson, he was a big star and on camera, handsome guy, hero, and then when you heard him, his voice was a little smaller. <laughs> And he sounded a little bit like that. If you really listen to it, forget it's Don Johnson. He's got a smaller voice. Sorry, Don. That's interesting. Um, and when they they called me and they said we'd like you to do the show, do the movie, and I said okay. And here's my price. That's my fee. We all have fees. And they said, well, we're not going to pay that. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry that I'm not asking for a ton of money, but I'm a central character. Duke's a central character. Uh, but um, and then okay. they killed him. They get somebody else, and so they got back to me, and then they killed me yeah. and I said uh, sort of. is that why well I came back didn't I it sort of semi died not you were in a coma I was in a coma <laughs> and I came back in community <laughs> right. Right. and I said why don't you put Don Johnson in a coma he's not very good <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was in a coma uh, and so be it you know it's, it's well. okay Mr. Bell who, who influenced you who were your voice acting here. See the, I, or acting. Or acting. acting. It was acting, acting yeah. Because when I was a kid, there weren't any really voice actors. I mean, I listened to the radio, which is, I'm sure most people don't even know what that is. Uh, <laughs> there were radio dramas that I listened to all the time and radio shows on Saturday morning. I was glued to the radio. Um, but I didn't have any heroes, particularly in radio. My heroes were movie actors, Cary Grant, Randolph Scott, who wasn't even a good actor, but he was wonderful to watch. Um, actress, you know, Eva Gardner. I mean, these were just people I... These were actors. These, these were my, my... That's my era. Mm. And years later, of course, uh, now, of course, it's totally different. But uh, you guys grew up with television. Right. So your heroes with were you? from television. <laughs> you grew up with me, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and you turned out okay. We did. Yeah, 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 we're pretty good. You know, considering... Pretty good. People that know me say, I don't know how people are so healthy having heard you all those years. Let me but, ask you, so, you again, you have tons of experience. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, does it get more difficult to do certain voices as somebody ages? Does the person's voice change, or, or does that not come into play? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I think I sound exactly as I sounded when I was uh, playing Duke. I mean, do you hear a difference? I certainly oh. don't. Yeah, YouTube's. <laughs> do you run into that problem pipes, as, as yeah. a director? No, 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 no. They're not. They figure. Look, they look at the thing and they go, "Hey, guys, circling the drain. Is he going to get through the series? You know, they don't look at me and say, can you do this?' Or and they'll audition me and I'll hear. They'll hear. They go, "Yeah, it sounds okay. I don't sound the same. I don't still have the same sharp sound." But I can play the I can play a character. I mean, you guys heard Community. How much different did I sound than Community is Duke? You know, give me a couple of days rest yeah. and uh, give me a green apple, and I'm fine. <laughs> All right, good. You know, I'm good. 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 That well, shouldn't affect it. When they when they brought you back on that newer GI Joe as the uncle of Duke. Oh no, I was uh, Duke's. I was Duke as an old guy, and I was Duke's and and uh, Jason Marsden, who's so good, yeah. played my son. He played young Duke. Oh, okay. So I played old oh, so Duke. He was Duke. young. Yeah, we both. We, he, well, he was Duquette, <laughs> and I was Duke. And uh, BJ, who was um, uh, who was Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet yes. played my wife. And that ah, was, yes. yes. That was so much fun. Thank you, Jenny McSwain, for bringing us back. That was so super. Yeah, that was cool. And Jason said, and very funny thing about it when they said we're going to be doing that, and we're going to have. Um, we're going to have on-camera people there. We're going to have them do a whole big thing on entertainment tonight. I thought, 
great. I went out and got my old army uniform, slapped the sucker on, bought some new boots, you know, the camouflage, the whole crap, and I show up and there's no camera crew. I look like the <laughs> schmuck of all time. Everybody else is walking around in freaking flowered shirts right. and t-shirts and whatever, and I'm standing there in this uniform. <laughs> they could just get like a with black boots ordinary on. camera just it's like a camera. Get a shot of me, guys. I'm in the whole drag and I'm full uh, of army drag. Uh, it's crazy. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, well everybody <laughs> in the cast appreciates it. Hey, looking good. Whoa. <laughs> He's huh? living in another world. <laughs> Crazy guy. It's like, I mean, I don't do uh, costumes. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it. My favorite character of yours from that era was Lance on Voltron. Oh, cool. Because he was he was a wisecracker, and that's yeah. how I always was growing up. Yeah. Just from the area, we just that's how we were. He just smartass. Yeah, that's you, how were, you were a smartass. <laughs> that's were. exactly how we were. Yeah. Um, and that, so he always I always clicked more with him. Is he closer to you personally, or? Lance would be, yeah, Lance would be uh, Prowl a bit, but mostly Lance, yeah, just because I was able to toss stuff out as Lance. Yeah. Good. And we did Voltron, you know, we never saw the film because... Uh, it was patched together from other series. Just local. It was Japanese. Right. So we were told we'd get the script, and that's, and I didn't know what he looked like, I just had, oh. and then the, you had, if you had three seconds or eight seconds, you'd have to do it within eight seconds. And they'd go, I'm sorry, that yes. was seven and three quarters. You'd have to do it again until you got it. And in those days, you played everything. So myself, Jack, uh, Peter, uh, Lenny Weinrib, Neil, and uh, BJ. And we had to play every character. And after a while, BJ could only play so many girls. And they say, well, <laughs> who can we get to play girls? And everybody turned to me because I had the lightest voice. Ah. So now I look at these every now and then they're on Zoom or some television yeah. or what it is, and I watch myself. And I'm like, oh my god, were you the witch? That? Were you the witch or was that BJ? No, that was BJ. Okay. BJ was the witch. I was, witch. Oh, I was, I was uh, Sven Lance and yes, the old, man. the old, I think, uh, BJ's father of the court, something of the king of the court, whatever oh, it was. Right, the, the character, oh. I forgot who he was. Yeah, exactly. And I was all these little girls going, oh no. <laughs> oh, somebody ran me over. Oh, my God, they killed me. You know, because the Japanese killed everybody. Yes. <laughs> and they had to cut out all the nude scenes. Because when the Japanese killed you in those films, you were naked. <laughs> what? Yeah, you, so you see all these things. You see people running naked. And you see women's breasts. And you see people getting knocked down. Mm. And in the cartoon? A, in the cartoon. Oh, Japanese. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, as I recall, somebody said they align that kind of thing with the kind of violence and nudity and sexuality and it uh, keeps everybody calm in Japan. They don't have that much pornography, I guess. I don't know. Wow. All right. Hey, whatever works. So anyway, we, and we did it that way. We wound up just doing voices, not even knowing what the hell we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Having fun. Having fun, having That's a it. great time. In fact, they would, they finally had a, they had to separate Peter Cullen and I because I just always played and he would just fall apart and they finally said, okay, you guys cannot work together like children. They made me work in a separate room from everybody else. Let me ask you, so speak, this will be my last question. Spe speaking of Peter Cullen, let's just say for some reason he can't do Optimus Prime anymore. God forbid. Or, 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 or you know, for some reason he's off somewhere doing something else, he can't do Optimus Prime. Yes. Is that something you could do? Or? God, no. Oh, no. 
no, to draw up in this prime, you'd have to you'd have to give me another set of testicles. <laughs> no, there's no way. When so mine drops, so maybe. So each, but each maybe. character is that is is unique to that. Oh, pack. he's got that wonderful set of pipes. Same with Frank Welker. They got yeah. this great set of pipes. There's that. I think uh, there's a wonderful actor named David Sobolov who has a set of pipes like that. Those great, deep, wonderful, powerful pipes. But uh, Peter has a kind of sense of humor that works with that character. He's got a wonderful sense of humor. He's got that standing. Peter also is in Rescue Bots as well. Right. Yeah. Right. He plays Actually, Optimus in Rescue Bots. For real, my last question is: uh, You lie. Because if mm. I right, what you were saying before about mimicking and impersonating. Yeah. So if I impersonate Frank Welker's, for example, his Megatron. Please don't. The grapple, Wouldn't that be whatever. funny? If we said we heard. <laughs> and he fell over with a big blood spot hurting on his But when I when I imitate that or try to imitate that, that's such a gravelly, aggressive voice. I do it for three seconds. <coughs> well, it was vocal. How, how do the how do they how do the actors do he, voices like that? Pipes have a lot to do with it. It's not just pipes; it's his acting ability as well. But because he's got the pipes, he also he does that uh, character from uh, Mr. Gadget. Oh yes. Dr. Dr. Claus, yeah. I tried that. I couldn't do that. Are you kidding me? There was no way I could do that. I mean, I thought, how, Frank, how do you do that? That's so crazy. It just it shreds my voice. I yeah, can't. and absolutely. And I, when I was doing Thunder, and I'd have to yell out Thunder the Barbarian, just, I said, I got three Thunder the Barbarians. That's all I got. In <laughs> okay, because I'm riding a horse, Thunder the Barbarian, because I won't be able to work next week. So would they have to recycle? Uh, no, you still have to come in and do it fresh. Okay. No, there's nothing in the library at all that I know of. My last question is is on the, the, which was great that Shell Factory did this. I mean, this was worth the release in themselves. When they had the round table with you guys on the Transformers. I brought everybody together. Yeah, was that you? Was, that was, yeah. wow. They called me and they said, who can you get together? And I said, I can get blah, 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 blah. And they said, okay, that's great. Can they all come together? I said, yeah, let's talk money. I said, well, we don't <laughs> right. have any money. I said, well, then you don't have any actors. I said, you got what you got, but I got to tell you, there's nobody's going to do this for free because it's just not how life is. And he said, okay, I'll do this, that, and I'll give you one of those sets. And we said, okay, fine. So it was, it was moderate, moderate, very moderate sum, but everybody's willing to get together and play. And it was fun, as you saw, everybody talking and shooting. Oh, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. That's really, Anything that's really been done. And of course, they series. gave me the set, which, of course, I haven't played. And I said to my daughter, I'd like to auction this. She said, you auction that off, and you better not close your eyes when you go to sleep. That's mine. <laughs> uh, that's mine. I said, okay. I have so much memorabilia. I said, but you have so much stuff. She said, no, that's mine. And my favorite part of that was when all you guys were talking about Chris Lotta and his, yes. his acting and just... Spitting, oh, just yes. over the top. Over the top, Chris. Wow. Well, over that's Starscream voice. That's another one that I try to do that, and I'm like, Nobody three seconds later, I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't think, do I it. think Charlie Adler does it in something. I think he does it in, in the on-camera G.I. Joe's, if I'm not mistaken. Charles or, Adler. Yeah, well, he, he also Adler. had that shrill voice. He could do he, those shrill Charlie voices. can do that. He can hit that high pitch. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, uh, that's way too hard. Yeah. Way, <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I'd have to wear a girdle. <laughs> well... Michael, this is fantastic. I mean, you're our, our hero, and it's... Yeah, thank you so much. Very thank appreciated. You. Yeah, thank you so much. So Michael Bell was absolutely incredible, and uh, it was so cool to meet him. Now, something... I mean, look, obviously, we're playing the interview clips yeah. here, which, you know, 
but I just want to stress something to, to go with what you just said about how they're not just doing voices, they're acting, they're, they're, they're portraying characters yeah. and inventing characters. And they even did some voices for us, kind of impromptu. One thing that, that you know, a, a common... Oh, wait a minute, we forgot to get bumpers from them. Nah, they weren't good enough. But a, another common theme was the fact that we were mentioning, well, the industry has evolved, changed. Yeah, yeah. Now it's all about, you know, in animation, it's all about who, you know, what, what, uh, what A-list celebrities right. can they get yes. to do the voices. Thanks. And I look, these people might be actors, but they are not voice actors. It's right. very, very different than being yes. a screen actor. It's very, it's two totally different fields. Now, what, however, what has happened though, and I didn't bring this up with them, but there's been a lot of sitcom actors that we know who have transitioned now into voice acting and they do a great job at it. Jaleel White. Jaleel White, uh, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, Will Friedel from uh, Boy Meets World. Yeah. A lot of them have kind of transitioned into that where now they're. Darius McCrary. He does it too. Transformers. Oh yeah, Michael Bay. That's not what I'm talking. No, about. I'm I know. talking about animation. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay. So a lot of them have made that transition, and a lot of these guys. Well, were, and also video games. Yeah, too. and a lot of these guys were regular actors, you know, before. So Michael was great, and then uh, last but certainly not least was uh, the great John Moshita Jr. Yes. Um, who? <laughs> it was funny. We were talking about. He doesn't like. Doesn't seem to like the conventions. You can kind of tell that he didn't have any photos at his table to sign. I, well, he I, I, I don't. I, he never really, like I said, other than one BotCon many right. years ago, he he didn't. He, he never did this right, before. Right. So I don't think he really kind of knew what to, you know, oh. what what the, what the situation is. Right. So, but anyway, we got him, and he was just as funny, and we talked about, you know. Him and growing up on Long Island, and you know how we got into well, doing Brooklyn, Long Island, Long Island, and Brooklyn, and, and then uh, where did he move to? Well, whatever. You'll hear it in the interview. No, he said Brooklyn. Remember? I don't know. It seemed like it was. He meant Long Island. I'm telling you. But anyway, well, we'll, we'll hear it in the interview. All right. So I am Rob. You are Greg, and we are here with Mr. Mashida. Junior. Uh, junior. Junior, yes. Junior. Please don't forget the junior. It's very junior. important, although my father's dead now. Uh, dead, dead, dead. Uh, so it doesn't really matter about the junior, but... I'm very um, sorry to hear that. I was sorry, too. He was a great guy. I really miss him. But he died, actually, right after... It'll be... Uh, September 21st will be 15 years, because he died right after 9-11. Uh, he was so upset by everything that happened that he knew a lot of people that were killed and yeah. just whatever, and he just, like, freaked out and died, so... Bummer. Sorry so let's start out on cheery so, note. So we're done here. No. Would you like to know anybody else that died in my family? <laughs> I know I brought it up. You didn't ask well, me that anyone died. But. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're from Brooklyn, aren't you? No, Long Island. Oh. Well, but Brooklyn's on Long Island. I was born in Jamaica Hospital. Then I lived in New High Park, Levittown. I have a twin sister. And the people that lived behind us in Levittown were... I, I don't remember, I was little, but like evidently a drunk couple who fought a lot. And one day they chased each other around with guns and they shot at each other and yeah. the bullets came through the back of our house into like right above the wall, on the wall, right above where our cribs were. So my parents said, okay, it's time we need to move now. So then we moved to Uniondale and then that's where I lived for the rest of the time I lived with them, was in the house in Uniondale. 
So wait, so you have a twin sister. Does she also speak very? She rapidly? talks pretty fast. I have five sisters altogether, which is one of the reasons why well, I talk so quickly go. in the first place because you got to get you know word in edgewise. But um, yeah, she's um, she can speak pretty fast. They all do pretty fast. My yeah. sisters are all very very funny. They're, they're characters, and we're all J's. John, Joan, Judy, Jill, Jane, and Joy. And oh. Joy is spelled J-O-Y-E, so she would have four letters. Nice. Well, right, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah you have to I, have that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I almost think you have to come, because we're from northern New Jersey, Newark area. You almost have to come from that, grow up in that area to be able to do what you do. Because we all talk really fast. No, it's true. I mean, I go to New York. I don't. No one has a problem keeping up with me. I can talk as quickly as I possibly want to, and no problem. I go down south. Call up to make. You know, New York. You make a dinner reservation. You say, yeah, the name is Mashita. I'm like Michael O. S. Like Sam C. Like C H I T. Like Tom T. Like Tom A. And they go, fine, Mr. Mashita. We'll see you at eight o'clock. I said, okay, great. Thank you very much. Goodbye. You go down south. You go, yes, it's Mashita. M like Michael. O. S like Sam, take your time, spell the whole thing, and then they go, okay, now that was Am what? <laughs> yeah, don't, you, yeah, yeah. just stay up north. Yeah, just stay leave them in the dust. Uh, so, uh, like I said, we, we grew up with your work, so we are very appreciative, and it's very surreal for us. Uh, can you tell us about your experience working on the Transformers, or do you have any standout memories? What? Well, the Transformers, in the beginning, I was traveling a lot. I was very busy back in those days. So I didn't get to do a lot of the group sessions, which was really a bummer, because those guys were fun. Dick Godier and Roger C. Carmel. And, I mean, all the original guys were just really, you know, you're a bunch of grown men sitting in a room talking about your struts melting. I mean, come on. You know, just, it, it was great. I heard Welker was particularly... Uh riotous in there. Everybody, they were, it was hysterical. It was a big party. And I, I mean, I, I loved doing it with them, but unfortunately I didn't get to do too many of them. And then, uh, you know, later on I got to do more. And then on the, the last version, I guess that's the animated one, I don't know, I got mm-hmm. to do the group sessions. And that was a whole different group of people. Right. But it was, it was like Mark Hamill and, you know, all these, I, I was like, hey, well, this is fun. What was your experience like in the original animated movie? Was that a group session? Um, they did some of the people group, some of the people individual, and um, I was flying back and forth between coasts, so I just did it by myself. Okay. So you didn't meet Orson Welles? No, or I didn't get to watch him. I didn't get to see him eat the universe or okay. anything like that. Was it, so for someone like, well, first of all, how did you break into show business? Well, actually, I was always an actor, okay. you know, where I thought I was, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, it's like commercial where the, you know, the waiter goes walking by and the kid goes, Mommy, look, an actor. <laughs> uh, so I was doing a lot of that to support myself. And uh, I worked production in New York, and I got a job working in Columbus, Ohio, as a producer-performer for they had the world's first two-way interactive cable system called Cube. And it was the first time in the world. It was 1977. We went on the air December 1st, 1977, with uh, 11 hours of live programming a day in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Have any idea how how easy it is to fill 11 hours a day oh, in yeah. Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and also, Nickelodeon was just oh, starting, and they filmed all the Nickelodeon shows there. So I had my own show on Nickelodeon three times a day, seven days a week, called Nickelflix. Well, I did that for two years, and then I had it. And I was like, okay, that's enough. i got to get out of here. So then I moved out to L.A. and tried to become you know, an actor, and I actually got put on a PBS series. 
And I was at a party one night, and a friend of mine was trying to pick up this valley girl, and she looked at him and said, like, oh my God, you must be like the world's fastest talker. And he said, no, as a matter of fact, this person is. And he called me over, and I did, to be or not to be, that is a question or something like that. And this man walked over and said, hi, my name is Alex Pomisanov. I am the producer of That's Incredible, and That's Incredible, I want to put you on the show. And I said, you know what, I've been on... I'm on a PBS show now, I'm really a serious actor, and while I think your show is very entertaining, I don't really think it'll advance my career for me to appear on a show where I follow a man who swallows a 30-foot python. So they kept calling me and kept offering more money, more money, more money. Then the acting strike came along, and nobody was working, and they called me and said, we'll pay you $5,000. I was like, I'll be there! <laughs> and the show aired Thanksgiving 1980. And I sent out flyers to advertising agencies and all over the place, you know, that I was going to be on it. And this one agency actually watched it and came up with the idea for use me for the Federal Express commercial from it. The whole it was so bizarre because it aired Thanksgiving 1980, and by the following Tuesday, I was booked on the Johnny Carson show, the Merv Griffin show, the Mike Douglas show. Tony Tennille had a talk show. I started negotiating for the Federal Express commercial and started negotiating a talent contract with ABC. All from being on That's Incredible. Wow. How did you, how did that, that is incredible. How did you feel about that? Was that very... Uh, well, it was surreal. You're, you're talking about surreal. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here like, you know, twiddling my thumbs at, I'm at home all the time. And all of a sudden the phone starts ringing. You know, hi, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah from The Tonight Show. I'm like, what? All right, who is this? Why? <laughs> so, and then in the beginning, they would only let me talk about being in the Guinness Book. They wouldn't let me talk about being an actor or anything. They just wanted me to, you know, teach the host how to talk fast. You know, give them tongue twisters. <laughs> You know, be like, all right, whatever. Was I that just a natural skill to you? Or well, I actually, when I was 12 years old growing up on Long Island, as a cerebral palsy fair, I was away from my house, and they announced that they would donate $2,000 to cerebral palsy for anyone that broke a Guinness record. So first I wanted to ride the roller coaster of Coney Island. So I called Coney Island, and they said, hey, kid, take a hike at 12 years old. We are not going to let you strap yourself into the cyclone for two weeks straight. So I went home, and I started flipping through the book and decided I was going to eat a car, swat a lead pipe. So the next best thing was to lock myself in a room and teach myself how to do the fast talking. Ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, after Transformers, did you pursue screen acting, or did you stick with the voice acting? Well, no, I, do, I still do, and I still do a bunch of voice acting. I do stuff on um, Robot Chicken, and I've done some voices on um, Family Guy and Adventure Time, and uh, so, I mean, I love that, because, you know, voice acting is it's a great job. <laughs> you don't have to shower, you don't have to shave, you just... <laughs> go in however you roll out of bed get in the car you go to the studio you say a few lines and then you let the checks come in and they run those things like crazy so you get tons of residuals from them wow. so uh, for like it's great a penny or what? well actually they get down to a penny they had one time Transformers money I got now they let you now they let the Transformers reruns they let you get like one check twice a year but back then I got 175 checks in a two day period and they totaled seventeen dollars. Ah, nice. <laughs> you had a lot of lines on. Well, well, they don't pay you by the line, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> they don't pay you by the word. If they paid me by the did, word, then that would be really true. good. But they wouldn't be able to count it. <laughs> yeah, no. So it just uh, it was like, and the bank hated me because I would, I would have to, you know, you got to put them in. And right. when you thought, you know, they send you these ridiculous checks. I have a check hanging on my wall for nothing. <laughs> I work for this company. They pay you, when you do commercials, they pay you in 13-week cycles. Okay. So, and a normal co contract is for seven cycles, so it's 21 months. I usually only do commercials. They can only use them for a year, so it's four cycles. But I usually get the money up front because I'm like, I'm not going to sit around. Why should, you know, you're using the commercial. So, sure. um, so they paid me all the money. And then for the next 13 weeks, 13 weeks, 13 weeks, they sent me a check for nothing. 
I said, now you know, you can't put a check for nothing in the bank. Their books are going to be so screwed up because there's going to be three missing checks. Right. Nobody's going to know where they are, and they're going to have some accountant doing an audit that is going to be ready to kill somebody. Well. And I'm like, hey, come to my house. I'll show you where the check is. It's right on my wall. So, um, did you, a, a silly question, but as a voice actor, did you ever walk into the, the cartoon set or, or whatever, you know, whatever you call it, the, the studio, and you're, and you're looking at the different characters and you're like, I have to voice a robot or a car or this is kind of silly or, or, or do you get into it? And, and well, you definitely get into it, but yes, no, you don't question it for a minute. You go, they're going to pay me a man who is a grown man <laughs> to do a voice of a car now. Okay, well, all right, whatever, okay. that's fine. You know, okay, and, my and struts are melting you. and they want me to go, ooh, ah, ugh, oh. Okay, right. all right, that's fine. And you just go along, you know. Yeah, you, you I could be digging ditches. You want me to sit in a room and go, ooh, I'll do it. <laughs> right. It's fine. Right. Um, also, how does it feel? To, does it feel weird that you're at these conventions and people go, oh my God, I grew up with you. We grew up with you. And, we, and, and, and you know, you influenced a generation of people. Does that feel well, weird? Well, it, it's, it's, it's really a, an ego boost, i got to tell you that. Because you don't really realize, I mean, you do these things and you don't think anybody ever sees them or that it means anything to anybody. I certainly know with the Micro Machine commercials what that has meant to people because, you know, blur, people don't necessarily recognize my face. But Micro Machines, I mean, I did 125 commercials that ran in 37 countries, so I literally can't go anywhere in the world where people don't know the Micro Machine man. And Unless you shave your mustache. Yeah, or then, <laughs> you know, I did, it's funny you say about my mustache, because uh, I did Minute Rice commercials for a while, and they had, uh, we negotiated the contract for a year, and they, back and forth, and flying me to New York, because they'd never done funny commercials. They'd always have been, you know, gee, honey, whatever you did to this rice, please keep doing it. You know, so they were a little nervous about making that housewives wouldn't go for humor in the commercials. So on the very first phone call, they asked my manager if I would shave my mustache. Uh, and my manager said, well, you know, I don't know why you would want him to shave the mustache. He's known for the mustache. Right. You know, as a matter of fact, my original mustache from uh, Federal Express is in because they shaved my mustache. And said, no, we like it better with the mustache. So I wore a fake mustache. And it's in the Smithsonian. Oh, wow. So my mustache is famous. That's so, surreal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. They said, but if you wanted to shave it, we have to take that into consideration because he works all the time. And everybody else on the planet wants him with a mustache. So he's not going to be able to grow the mustache back. He's going to have to keep wearing the fake mustache until he has a period of time. So that's going to cost you extra money. Okay, fine. Never mention it again. Months and months, you know, flying me to New York for photomatics, animatics, testing this, doing that, auditioning wives, doing, you know, whatever. We finally come to the day to shoot the commercial. I'm sitting in the makeup chair. And it was a very lucrative job for me, so my manager was there with me, and the uh, head of the, the uh, Minute Rice brand comes into the, uh, the room where I'm getting my makeup done, and he's an Indian gentleman. And he says, first of all, I want to tell you one serious thing here. We're not looking to make a funny commercial. We just want to sell the rice. And I'm like, well, what the hell did you hire me for? <laughs> and then he said, and what about the mustache? Uh... I said, well... What about the mustache? No, you were supposed to shave the mustache. I said, no, you mentioned two years ago to shave the mustache and never talked about it again. He says, well, young dads wear glasses and chefs don't have mustaches. I was like, okay, if you say so. Because in one commercial I was a chef, one commercial I was a young dad. So I said, all right. 
look, I don't know, you could talk to my manager about this. So they go have a conversation. Now, unbeknownst to them, the very next day, I was going to Africa for six weeks. I was going on safari and gorilla trekking and river rafting in Zambezi and doing all this kind of stuff. So it didn't matter whether I shaved my muscles or not because I had six weeks in Africa to grow back, but we didn't tell them that. <laughs> so my manager goes back and says, yeah, you're going to have to shave your mustache and they're only going to pay you an extra $75,000 to do it. <laughs> 75000 <laughs> To shave my mustache. Did you do it? Of course I, I did it. I know, I know. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow, seventy. Man, I need to. And then after I that, and then the next group of commercials, they said it was very funny because you know they did the test and they said it's very funny, but why didn't you get the man from the Federal Express commercial? Oh, <laughs> <that's good. laughs> Marketing. So was it? This will be my last question. But you know, you're talking about doing a rice commercial, a micro machines commercial, FedEx commercials. Is it ever strange? It's like okay, I'm I'm the FedEx guy. And also the micro machine guy. And also, is there ever like well, I'm, I'm five guys? Or it's very unusual to get to be five guys. Yeah. Um, I most I ever was at one time was three guys, and that was the minute rice and micro machines at Federal Express all ran at the same time, and they all hit different audiences, which was, which was great because micro machines mostly hit the kids on the cartoon shows. Right. Minute rice hit the wives watching TV during the day, and Federal Express mostly ran on sports. So it was, you know, the husband seeing that. So it was great because everyone was different things. And everybody knows you. Yeah, well, I went to go do a commercial, uh, to a convention one time, and the guys were of a certain age that booked me, and they knew me from the Federal Express commercial. And they, you know, hiding me in the hotel and didn't want anyone to see me because I was a big surprise. So they call me, we're ready for you, we'll meet you at the elevator. And I come down in the elevator, and all these kids are in the lobby. And these yahoos are like, you know, you know who's coming down in the elevator? You know who's coming down? The FedEx guy. Oh, okay. Who? Like, what are you who? About? What? Are you, who? The who? No, the FedEx. You know, the FedEx guy. Who? Who? And then the door opened. They go, this, the micro machines, man. <laughs> That's funny. And these yahoos are going, the who? The right, who? Right, right, right. Did you remember? Did they give you a name on that commercial? I don't remember. No. You were just... Federal Express. I was Jim Spleen. Yeah. But um, wait, Spleen. Spleen. Jim Spleen. Okay. Um, <laughs> But no, they never gave me. Uh, they never gave me a name in the. It was just the micro machines man. Did they like send you a lot of micro machines? Oh yeah, they sent. I gave. Them, I had nine nephews, so <laughs> they sent me the entire line every year, and I would just yeah, ship sisters. it off to yeah. Just send it off to the, my my nephews and say have a party. Or yeah. I mean, I would I would go through them and I would keep like a couple of little sets just to yeah. have something. But um, any yeah. rice boxes of rice? Or no, I didn't keep no. any of them in it. Rice. No, no. <laughs> No. God, you could eat for free. Yeah. None of those. I was on a game show and they said I won 4,000 boxes of rice aroni and that was one of my consolation prizes. I ate a lot of that for a while. But um, that was that. Well, well we, we appreciate your time. This yes. is well, my, my pleasure. Listen, we can't pay you $75,000. Oh, come on. I thought that's what this was all about. No. You think I'd give it away for free? <laughs> no, we appreciate it. Right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. But he, yeah, he was he was great to talk to, and he talked about the the crazy, you know, um, uh, contract negotiations oh, yeah, on the some silliness. of these, these stupid commercials, and hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, all of these people were they are characters yeah. themselves. It's yeah. it's it's great. It's funny. They have great personalities. And they, you know, look, we've done many chiller theater expos and, and comic cons and all these different conventions, and you've met many different celebrities. Yeah. 
and we've talked about how many of them are very kind and genuine and sincere and accommodating and friendly and warm and open, which is nice. But a lot of them are also are are, are not that way. They're very kind of like short and cold yeah, and mean and jerky and well, then a lot of them just they don't. They're just not interested, or they can't be bothered, or, or whatever. My point is, out of all the conventions we've been to, out of all the actors and celebrities that we've yeah. met, the ones today were some of the most genuine, yeah. open, and 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 just just it just seemed like the most passionate. Right about what they like this wasn't just a silly little game to them or or all about the money like they just seemed so cool and so into it and and this was it's the same way you know we talk about with esteban show and esteban who has talked to so many of these comic book people the the writers and the illustrators and and the pencilers that he talks to at all, all these conventions and and things like that, and even some of the voice actors that he's met at the conventions, and they all give great interviews. They do. They're just down. They're just regular guys or girls. I mean, but the just, thing is, right? Like, what when we were talking again? You'll hear because we're playing it on, on in this episode. Yeah. All the different stories and and that, and, and even unrelated right. stories and all the story but, and and even on Esteban's podcast, all these different wacky little stories that these people tell. You, we don't get that from the quote celebrities. Well, the celebrities, it's all about it's all about the PR and the and the putting on. You know, I know. these but, these people are telling nice, genuine stories. But a lot of times, like like there's something deeper there. Whereas yeah, the, the of, Hollywood celebs, no, they come across more shallow. The, the, no, the difference is. I'm saying they come across no, but more the, shallow. The difference is the main difference is when you meet these the bigger celebrities or whatever at the the bigger conventions, you have ten seconds with them. What are you going to get from them in ten seconds? Even the ones who we've spent a little right, more fine, time with, like but three what, four minutes. What I'm saying is a lot of them, if they're on like talk shows, like radio shows stuff, where they're there for like forty five minutes or whatever. Then they open up and they tell great stories and they they're great guests and all that. They are. Listen, know. I'm telling you, I've listened. I listen to talk radio, the serious radio all the time. They, they they do it. I'm telling you, not all of them, but a not lot of all them of them, do. Right, not all. Some of the actors they're just not good socially. I don't know what it is. It's just the way it is. I know. But, well, that's what I'm saying. Is these people were very I interesting. Know, but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Hey, I got the best example with Miss Dushku. Now she's very talkative anyway, but I'm just right. saying. Oh well, right, yeah, I know. You're if right. you if you talk to her for for two minutes, yeah, she she's cool, but you know you're not gonna get an in depth conversation. You know, I mean, on our show, I got it for about an hour, so it was a, a nice conversation going on there. So it's it's all it's all relative. I mean, if you talk to somebody for a, for thirty five seconds, yeah, you, you, yeah. what are you all gonna right, get? All right. It's just the way it is. Fine. The difference is with the, like the with the voice actors and the and the comic guys, is whether it's a giant show or even a small show, you can just talk to them because they don't have seven hundred people in the line. That's, right. That's the reality. Right. So that was that. So RetroCon, we had a great time. Uh, I also spoke with. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. 
Uh, Jim Martin. Jim Martin, right. Jim Martin. From uh, the Sesame Street. And Sesame Street, the great Space Coast. He was a puppeteer yes. and, a, and a, you know, did voice, right? Did voices and For the puppet. Well, yeah, he did. He directed the, the Muppet stuff in Sesame Street also, yeah. So, um... You know, look, I, because I, he had, he had like someone talking to him. I just wanted to ask a quick question. I didn't know it was gonna <laughs> turn it, snowball into minutes. a twenty-minute conversation. Otherwise, I would have recorded it. Yeah. And I didn't. Well, he also, he also said some things that you probably wouldn't want to repeat. Well, you know. So one of the things that I said to him, right, because he had a picture of the puppets and the cast yeah. from the Great Space Coaster behind him on the wall. And I went up to him and I said, listen, I, I, I just want to, I just have a question or, or just a thought that I just want to tell you and see if you agree. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm looking at this picture and I remember the show, even all these years later, I remember the show and I watch clips on YouTube and this show was, was you know, growing up in, in the early 1980s, right. this show had a very psychedelic... <laughs> Aesthetic to it, like very hippie, very psychedelic. Yeah. 1980s, early 1980s. I said, was that a conscious? I said, you know, that's that's so. Like, if I look at that picture that's behind you right now, that looks so 1967, yeah. 1968. This was 1982, you know, 1983. I said, why? You know, was that a conscious decision or or like what? Why why was it so psychedelic like that? It didn't make any. It was like. As an adult looking back, it seems so anachronistic. Right. And I, I don't even think he knew what I was talking about, but he kind of babbled and, you know, it was interesting. But he's like, you know, it's it was just the way it was at the time. And, you know, it just, you know, there was still some of that lingering in, yeah. in, in the in the culture. Yeah, we were talking about other things with him. It I know. Like an interesting I know. Conversation. And then I, and so then it led to, it led to how... When, when, you know, when you and I grew up, again, late 1970s, early 1980s, mid-1980s, the children's shows like Sesame Street, Electric Company, Great Space Coaster, all those shows, Mr. Rogers, uh, well, not, well, Mr. Rogers wasn't overtly psychedelic, but a lot of those shows, New Zoo Review, uh, you know, all those shows were very psychedelic and very hippie-ish. And we've, you know, you and I have talked about this on the show before. Like, these shows were made by hippies. Right. And they had that that um, visual aesthetic to them, but they also had that, uh, like, the just the, the values of, like, you know, love and caring and kindness yeah. and sharing. And, you know, it, it was a nice thing. And we grew up with that. And right. I said, but the shows now aren't, re you know, they're not like that. It's all about, you know, hip and slick and edgy yeah. and, you know, and like the animation and all this stuff. And and I said, you know, isn't that a shame that, you know, like we lost it because all of these shows back then that we grew up with, even though the 60s were over and done with, they still had that hippie vibe to it. And then he went into a story about how um, at some point, Where's the parkway? Oh, I took the wrong exit. Uh, oh, boy. I'm supposed to go to 11. Well, uh, oh, this was, what, 9? This is New Brunswick. Yeah, well, it was the opposite. Yeah, whatever. So anyway, so he, then he, he's like, okay, I have a story for you, a quick story. So he was talking about how at some point, 
I don't know if this was in the 1980s, 1990s. Um, uh, one of the people who ran Disney was was trying to get yeah. Jim Henson to sell to sell to Disney. And it was Jim Henson, and I guess all his guys, like Jim, you know, Jim uh, Martin, and, and you know those guys, puppeteer guys, and everything. And and you know this guy running Disney, what was his name? Jeffrey Katzenberg. Kat- Jeffrey Katzenberg, obviously businessman, you know, corporate businessman. He said to you know Jim Henson was taught, well, I wanted this is my vision, and this is what I want, and this is how I think it should be, and. And supposedly Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, you know, man, you just, you have to grow up. You have to stop being a hippie. Ah. Stop being the hippie. You're too much of a hippie. And the Jim Hens is like, all right, forget it. <laughs> obviously, this is, I mean, look, because obviously that wasn't the right, you know, the right venue for his, for his uh, values. But yeah, isn't that funny? So even, even the guy at Disney picked up on the whole hippie vibe thing. Yeah. But I miss that. I miss that about, you know, the, the old shows and. It was nice. It was str- and you know, it, it, as nice as it was, there was also it also the the psychedelic vibe of it. There was also that little like bit of strangeness to the characters and to the to the designs and everything, right. the music. There was like, but it was cool strangeness, not like right. not like pandering to children. You know, everything's so. Uh, so uh, you know, sterilized and homogenized. It was like it was cool. It was unique at the time, and and we don't have that anymore. No. So I was lamenting that to him, and and you know he was reminiscing about stuff, and it was cool. It was a cool conversation. I'll have the memory of it, but not the recording. <laughs> so that's oh well. What what, what am I gonna do? Are we, is this this is the same way I was going? Yeah. I, don't I think no no. This is the opposite. Way. Yeah, so RetroCon was uh, was great. I mean, uh, it's a bit of a trip. We're still we're still on it. In fact, it's never ending. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was great. And you know, again, I I mean, come for eighteen dollars. I know. Come on, I hope that the the next one, you know, next year or whenever, they'll uh, they'll get some of the other uh, voice actors who uh, haven't seen in a while, at least around here. Uh, So that would be uh, that would be very cool. So I feel like we finally, as many as many conventions as we've been to, I feel like we finally got a taste of the Esteban experience, ah. of what he got to experience down in Florida. Yeah. Because even though he, oh, you guys, you, I'm jealous of you guys. You guys get to go to all these big conventions with big names. And we're like, but you don't understand it's overcrowded. It's stressful. It's no, a, he doesn't care it's about It's an those. assembly line. They crank you through. You yeah, don't get he, any time. We're jealous about, of you. He didn't care about those people. He cared about the fact that these giant comic conventions had all of these comic people that he wanted to talk yeah, to. Yeah, but, but you can't. Well, you could talk to them there. Uh, he did. What, New York Comic Con? Yeah. You can talk to the comic people there. It's yours. No, not really. No? Not in the comics? No, the rest of the place isn't. Is a mess. Not that. So that, yeah, that was very cool. And then we find—I've seen him a million times, but finally got him to stop and do a quick bumper for us. Wow. Uh, was um, uh, the, uh, the 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 real life Peter Griffin? Well, the fake. Well, 
real life, real life. Peter Griffin. Yeah, he's great. You're a celeb, man. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have you met Seth? Well, I've seen you about five. Oh, they, it's probably about five times a year at Comic Con. Uh, yeah, man, I've been going to New York Comic Con since 2012. So, so my very first New York Comic Con was back in 08. How you doing, buddy? Damn. You were born to wear What's that, that outfit. You were born to wear that outfit. So is it is this your job now, or like do you make money? I work a full time job, fun. just this like everybody fun. else. I scrape by. I work paycheck to paycheck, and I just afford these conventions when I can. You know yeah. what I mean? It's cool. Man. Very it's much cool. just a regular job. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Have you met Seth? I have not. No. Uh, he's really cool guy. He knows I exist because I uh, he's retweeted me twice. I've seen him. Would you do a bumper for our pop culture? Sure, I'd be happy to. Called the Paunch Stevenson Show. The Paunch? Paunch Stevenson Show. Paunch Stevenson. And just say, you know, there's a pyramid, whatever, freak it's whatever. Uh, yeah. whatever, whatever. I trust you. I just hold this? Do I have to hold down record? No, it's no, good. It's, it's good. It's going. Yeah. Hi, real life Peter Griffin here with a Paunch Stevenson show. You guys have a freaking sweet day. <laughs> Could you Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank My pleasure. Excellent. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Alright, we'll leave we'll leave you alone now. It was nice meeting you guys. You too. And, uh, and, and and what did we take pictures inside of? Oh, replica phone booth from phone booth from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa, uh, gnarly, bogus, bogus. It was cool. I mean, we had fun. It was it was alright. Did you buy anything? I bought a book. Um, I've seen it. Uh, for a, for a long time, well, it came out a few years ago, right? It's been out a while. It's it's um it's I think it's called Super Mario. How Nintendo like the, conquered America, isn't that it? Something like that. Yeah. The history something. of Nintendo since 1985. Right. In the U.S. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah, when I got a chance, I'll read it. Who was it by Jeff Smith or something like that? We'll put it in the show notes. PaunchStevenson.com, episode 271. We'll put it in the show notes. Did you buy anything else? Were the prices at the vendor tables decent or, or hit or miss? I did buy, I bought a, a DVD. That was it. Um, eh. I mean, hit or miss. I mean, if you want like like old DVDs, there's like some like parts, like toys, spare toys and stuff is okay, but. Video games. Nah, I mean the only the only thing would be if they had something that would be tough to find like in the wild or on eBay and you know, maybe it costs a lot to ship on eBay toy wise or something that'd be nice to get it right there but you know otherwise I mean it's Big money conventions, you know, bigger comic cons, but in some way, in a lot of ways, these are better because you're, you're the guys that we actually promote. Yeah. Not like, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, Schwarzenegger, people like that. Yeah, sure. You a lot of conventions. Although I'm surprised, everybody, a lot of people do the conventions. Yeah. I have friends that were on Star Trek, and like they're everywhere. everyone. I mean, you know, William Shatner needs money. Like, you know, I don't know what. Come on, you got to go like charge people twenty dollars to sign an autograph picture. It's more than twenty. <laughs> well, well, whatever, whatever they charge, but still, I love it. If it's twenty, I'd get like ten. I just, I don't get it. I don't, you know. The man has to have more money than God between all of his commercials and the different TV series he's had over the years. He's got a lot of. Well, I don't know. I don't he know. has a lot of horses. So they, they, oh, and they eat a lot of they, hay. They, you got to pay for that hay. Horses are very hungry animals. Yeah. They are. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> no, they they know how to eat those horses. I'm serious. <laughs> they will they winnie you Candy into poverty. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs>